Alright, here we go. Riddles in the Dark. Right, chapter 5 of The Hobbit. We're going to do a lot of different things today. There's the bell. Alright. So we'll start by just watching this opening scene, and we'll do a few different things, okay? Get a good see. Oh, you got see it. Take it. Ah. There, what is that? That's the ring. Now, those of you who don't know the Hobbit story, bless you. Go read it. Go learn about it. Go watch the movie. Do whatever you got to do. Hey. <laughs> but that little Hobbit that Gandalf called out of his Hobbit hole is Bilbo. And on his journey, he ended up in a mountain and fell down a crack and landed in a cave with this other creature who's actually a what? He's actually a hobbit as well. But that ring that we talked about on Tuesday, right, the big whole Lord of the Rings ring, that's the actual one ring. So it's a very powerful ring, but it's what kind of power? Evil, right? It's evil power, as Galadriel would say. So he finds it. Notice how Bilbo happens upon the evil ring. That's its own metaphor. Sometimes we stumble on it, right? Frodo, what? Inherits it from his family. There's that metaphor for you, if you want. <laughs> what have we inherited from our family that we need to take care of in our lives? Now that sword glows when evil is around, when the enemy's around. It stopped glowing because the orc is dead, but who's still alive? Gollum, because he's Gollum an orc. No, is he actually the enemy? No, he's just a hobbit, right? I think that's intriguing that the, the filmmakers did a great job setting that up for us. This is a hobbit. He's a warped, deformed, lost soul, but he's still a hobbit. Oh, <laughs> and when I've got this, uh, I think we're on the third time with my kids. We love this story. Obviously, I'm biased, right? Like, I love it. But um, we've read it to them, and we're listening it to it on an audiobook right now. But every time we get to this scene, I always stop it. Hey, Anna and Eli, Bilbo would be dead if he didn't have what? His sword. Which, in the Bible, the sword is what? The sword of the Spirit, which is a... Uh... Oh, come on, we know that. Which is a uh, word of God. He'd be dead without the sword. Remember, all stories point to the true story. And in this scene, 
There's a creature who is prowling around in the dark looking for things to devour. That's right out of scripture. He's going to eat Bilbo, ruin his life, take him off his quest. Good thing Bilbo has what? His sword. And there's so many weed academy students who think they can graduate here, go off to college without their what? Sword. And they think they'll be fine and they won't get eaten. And truth is, you need a sword. He didn't even, even know how to use it. <laughs> Good thing he what? Good thing he has the truth. Right? Can this teach us about our story? Yeah, it's profound. Uh, when, we, when we look at it, I think I hinted at this already, but even down to some of the stuff of what Tolkien's doing with it being in a cave and a creature who's turning into a shadow. Allegory of the cave. And then what Tolkien does as a Neoplatonist, that goes back to the earlier parts of class, as a, as a Christian author, adding in this game where we've got to answer riddles, and if you can answer the riddle, it'll save your life and get you back out into the light and out of the darkness. How's, how are we doing? Pretty cool for a little kid's story, isn't it? How Tolkien embeds all of that within it. So let's keep watching a little bit. But I just think even right there, look at the power of symbol in a story. The power of metaphor of stories that teach us about our story. And I remember telling my five-year-olds and then seven-year-olds and then eight-year-olds as we're listening to it in the car right now, good thing he has his sword and do Anna and Eli know what the sword is? Yeah, as we're memorizing scripture and reading the Bible and learning about truth. And then you might be like, well, you're a cruel dad. Like, seriously, you're going to talk to your kids? Like, your kids are going to learn about a creature who wants to eat the main character? Cruel? I'd be cruel not to do this with my kids. Is there anybody in our story who's prowling around in the dark looking to devour us or ruin us on our journey? No, is there? Yeah, who? Satan. <laughs> He's way scarier than Gollum. And is he real? Does he want to ruin my kids' lives? Particularly with lies. Does he want to ruin dad's life? Yeah, I need to be prepared. Like, this is the real story that we're in. There's an enemy who wants to devour us and ruin us. I'd be cruel not to talk about it. Does that make sense? How are we doing? Yeah? I'm warning you. Not an elf, right? What is it? <laughs> what is this? My name is Bilbo Baggins. Bagginses. Mm. He's like Bagginses. Almost like he's forgotten who he really is. I'm a right? Hobbit from the Shire. Hobbit. Oh, we like goblinses, bats, and fishes, but we hasn't tried hobbinses before. He's a soft. I love how he doesn't even know how to use it, right? I'm so not in trouble, you understand? Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Is it lost? Yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. Oh, we lost. We know safe paths for horses. Safe paths in the dark. Shut up. I didn't say anything. I wasn't talking to you. 
What a great character. I don't know what your game is, oh. but I... Games! Oh, we love games, doesn't we, Precious? Does it like games? Does it, does it, does it like to play? Maybe. What has roots as nobody sees? This torrent and trees up, up, up and yet never grows. The mountain. Yes. <laughs> oh, let's have another one. Let's have another one. Do it, do it, No, no more riddles. Finish you off. Finish now. Got it. Got it. No, no, no. no. I, I want to play. Uh, I, I want to play. <laughs> I want to play. I can see you are. So, why don't we have a game of riddles? <laughs> yes, just, just, just you and me. Yes. It's like, is that just, just, just us. <laughs> There's nobody else there. <laughs> yes, and, and if I win, you show me the way out. Yes. Yes, yes, we will. And if it loses, what then? If it loses, precious, then we get it. He's like, what? <laughs> what? And he says yes. But again, I think it's so intriguing. They're going to have a game of riddles, right? And so, right, you know, we're going to pray here in just a second about this, and we're going to get out the notebooks and all that kind of stuff. But just as we get class started, riddles in the dark, right? If you can answer the riddle, it'll save your life, get you out of darkness away from this creature that wants to eat you, back on your journey and into the light. Go Tolkien. I think there's a couple other things to consider here. We could take it a few steps further. Why riddles? And uh, we could definitely connect this with the Gospels. Jesus spoke in riddles, right? Interestingly, there were several times where they kept asking him, why? Why do you talk in riddles? Why do you talk in parables? And they use the word parable over and over and over again. There's actually one specific time, maybe two depending on your translation, but one specific time where we, they say, why do you speak in riddles? It's not the word parable. Does Jesus talk in riddles? Yeah. Actually, there's a verse that says, from this point on, he only spoke in parables to them. Why? Why riddles? Why riddles in the dark? Well, I want to throw out two things here. One, most of these riddles are paradoxes. If you can't solve the riddle, you'll stay in the dark, right? Like, what about this entire class so far? And, and so much of it being riddles, big hard questions like, why does a good God allow evil when he could stop it so easily? Is that a riddle? Yeah, and if you can't answer that one, what happens to your heart? What happens to your mind? Over time, especially, when you're stuck in the darkness of not being able to answer that question. Right? But can we answer that riddle? Are there answers? Or stuff about riddles like you got to lose your life to save it, or you got to die to self to live, or the first shall be last and the last shall be first. got to give everything away so that you can have everything. Like... 
what? What is Jesus doing with all these riddles? So, I, A, why riddles, right? But B, I think we can even step into it as we watch this. What does it take to answer a riddle? Because when Jesus is talking in riddles, he's talking to his disciples and he's talking about making disciples. Because ready, is grace a riddle? Believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. Is that a riddle? No. Grace is not a riddle. Salvation is not a riddle. You believe, you're saved. Done. What are all the riddles? What are all the parables about? Not salvation. They're about the kingdom of God. They're about being a disciple. They're about understanding life and life to the full. So really, when it gets down to why riddles, they kept asking Jesus, why do you talk in riddles? Well, first off, he just gave it all in a sermon. So it's not like he only talks in riddles. He handed it all away in a sermon. But then he chose to speak in riddles. And it makes me wonder what kind of disciples he wants. What it takes to experience the kingdom of God. Right? So what does it take to answer a riddle? And what does that say about what type of followers Christ wants? Or what it takes to even just follow Christ? Now, we're not talking about salvation, right? Salvation is not a riddle. Fair enough. But we're talking about experiencing life to the full, getting out of darkness into light, being a disciple of Christ on the journey to build his kingdom. Fair enough? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for getting us here today. Thanks for an awesome chapel with beautiful songs and a chapel about hope, powerful hope. Thank you for your grace for us on the journey. And thank you for what Tolkien does in this little kid's book that's so much more about paradoxes and riddles and you and learning about you and your kingdom and going from darkness to light and about this very real being who wants to devour our souls and a thief who wants to steal and destroy and kill. So guide us, Lord, on our journey. Help us to make some sense out of these stories as they're... they're put before us. And help us to have some fun in class today learning from this video. Praise all in the power of your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, we're going to get to this. What I want to do is create an opportunity for you right now to take some notes. Like, why riddles? So, you open up your workbook to page 165. We've got a little note page on riddles in the dark. Okay. And, uh, you can take some notes there. Maybe look up those verses. Right? Um, and the other thing you can do is if you want to, if you Googled chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark from The Hobbit, you'll find it in several places online. So if there's access to it online, I have taken a PDF just for this class to make it available right now. So you can look at it if you want to and read a couple of the pages on it. And we are on page, it would be page 81, page 81. Now, I'm going to uh, take attendance because we've got to get good attendance right now at Wheaton Academy especially. So we'll come right back to the movie, but I'll take attendance. And in a, for the minute that I take attendance, write down a few ideas. Why riddles? What does it take to answer a riddle? What kind of followers is Christ looking for? We good? As we sit here in the dark, right?
Alright, who am I missing? Lindsay, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Doll? No doll? Bethany Grace. Who else are we missing? I think that's that it. Ready to go back? So, on Academy Central homepage, you can find Chapter 5, Riddles in the Dark. I have a little PDF just for class right now so you can see it. Does that make sense? If you want to find The Hobbit online, uh, it's likely you can find it um, available for online reading. Okay? Um, Otherwise, uh, follow along with the video right now. If you want to take some notes, which I highly recommend the notes right now, page 165 of your workbook, or just grab your journal or whatever. So I, I, I love this lesson. It's, to me, it's really fun just to do this with the video, but also just the concept of what does it take, right? What does it take to answer a riddle? Why did Jesus do the parable thing? Now, a lot of people talk about the why. We talk about what and what they mean, but why even talk in parables? Fair enough? We good? So, Let's, uh, let's move forward. We've got about a half hour in class. We'll look at some of this stuff. And I'm doing a lot of things at once. The first thing I'm doing is showing you that stories can teach us about life, can't they? Right? And so with the, what you wrote on your note card, that movie or musical or novel or adventure story that you're going to use for your final exam, you're going to pick 12 scenes. Well, look what we can do with one scene from The Hobbit about our journey. Fair enough? The other thing I want to do with it, though, is talk about how to look at metaphor using symbols and paradoxes and metaphors to understand the journey, like the Iliad and the Odyssey. If we really think it's about cyclopses, we're missing it. It's about people with monocular vision. They have no depth perception. Do we know anybody like that? <laughs> it's really not talking about mermaids who are going to come and sing to the sailors and drag them down to the ocean and eat them and take them off their quest. Because I don't bump into mermaids, except for at Starbucks. So, right? um, but are there things that want to sing sweetly to me and distract me from my journey and drag me down into the depths? Oh, yeah. Like, so the metaphor concept is really powerful. We can do that with pretty much any story, especially the great ones. That, that's what the authors are doing on purpose. So we're doing that side of it just to teach you how to do it. But the third part is just Tolkien's genius. Look at the application here, even just down to not having a sword. Fair enough? But I love the concept of paradoxes, riddles in the dark, paradoxes to save your life. So, back in, game on. Is it coming? Ready, set, go. There you go. The buttons first. So page 81 of the text. Thirty white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. All right, who's got it? T. Yeah, nice. Look at him. What does it take to answer a riddle? Tools. Huh? 
Yes. <laughs> He's like, hey, okay, that's a little awkward. Wait, we only have nine. He's like, okay. Voiceless and cries. Wingless, matters, toothless, bites. Mouthless, matters. Uh. Now, if you know it, prior knowledge is helpful, isn't it? So what does it take to answer a riddle? It's very nice to have prior knowledge. What kind of followers does Jesus want? One who kind of know what's going on. Does that make sense? But ready? Look at this. Voiceless cries. No voice, but it's crying. That's a what? Paradox. Wingless flutters. So no wings, but it's fluttering. That's a what? Paradox. Toothless, so no teeth, but it bites. Another paradox. Mouthless mutters, another paradox. So four paradoxes in this riddle. If you don't know paradox, can you answer this riddle? If he doesn't know paradox, so look at what Tolkien set up. If you don't know paradoxes, what will happen to you on your journey? You're done. You're off the journey. And what do you think Tolkien's trying to help little kids, let alone all the adults who enjoy this movie, understand that on the journey, if you're not willing to be able to find answers to riddles, particularly through paradox, you'll get what? You'll get eaten. You'll be taken off the quest. How are we doing? Are you just down to three and one? Come on, Trinity, that's a nice paradox. <laughs> if you can't wrap your head around that on some level, good luck interacting with the triune God. Does that make sense? Fair enough? So what's the answer to this one? Wind. Wind. Just a minute. Smeagol. Smeagol Gollum. It's wind. Go to this. Yeah. A box without hinges, key, or or lid, yet golden treasure inside is hid. Uh. I remember when I was in eighth grade. Well, I love this one. Nasty. Nasty. Give up. Give us a chance, precious. Give us a chance. Again, what does it take? Axles! Ah, right? Box without hinges, key, or lid, yet golden treasure inside is hid. What's the answer? Egg. Kind of cool. What does it take to answer a riddle like that? If you're thinking box, hinges, will it work? What does it, what does it take? Creative, think outside the, oh, ah, ah, think outside the egg, I mean the box, ah, right, it takes creative thinking, right, yeah, what, yeah, no, that's it, what kind of followers does Jesus want, clever, creative thinkers, right, see what's going on here, why talk in riddles, 
Well, it's not about a lost sheep. <laughs> right? It's about people who are lost and God being a shepherd. And if you don't think creatively there, you're going to miss it. Right? Satan just mess with us sometimes? Playing around with us? Eh, oops. Time. Uh, uh. The answer is time. Uh. Ah. Actually, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so what does it take? What are some of the things we're learning? What does it take to answer a riddle? Come on, what, what kind of followers is Christ looking for? Again, we're not talking about salvation. Don't mess that up. That gets abusive real quick. What does it take to follow Christ, to experience his kingdom, to come out of darkness into light, especially in this crazy dark world? Yeah? It takes. It could take time. You got to process it out. You got to think through it, right? So yeah, yeah. Give me a minute here. I got to think this through. What else? Yeah. Imagination, wit, creativity. Exactly. That's what he's looking for. Because he's like that. God is creative. God has wit. God uses his imagination. What else? Yeah. All right, I was just going to say, will you answer a riddle if you don't want to? Nope. It takes perseverance. Yeah? It takes a risk. you got to be able to give the answer. And say it out loud. Risk being right or wrong. Com definitely confidence. you got to have confidence, otherwise you won't do it. Right? Okay, so ready? We'll lock my door. You stay here for the weekend unless you can answer the riddle. I got one for you. Now, if I were to really give you guys the actual connection, if you can answer it, you'd be what? Dead? Which I'm not going to do that as a teacher. That's not fair. But let's say I lock the door. I come over here and lock and lock it in. Oh, wait. There's little buttons on the inside. That won't work. All right, brother. Try to imagine if you can't answer this, you'll get eaten. If you can't answer this, you're off the quest. You're stuck in my classroom all weekend. Okay? So Ready? What does it take to answer a riddle? Don't shout it out if you know it. Until I am measured, I am not known, yet how you miss me when I have flown. 
Wait, what? What does it take to answer a riddle? What do you want me to do? Yeah, what do you have to do with riddles? You have to what? Yeah, what does Jesus say over and over again? He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, he who has ears, he who has ears. Like over and over, he's saying, make sure you what? Make sure you listen. Because if you don't listen, you're going to what? You're going to miss it. And I wonder how many people listened to Jesus 2,000 years ago. How many? How many are listening to him today? If you don't listen, you're going to what? Oh, thank you. That was perfect. Say it again. Exactly. Like, if you want to answer a riddle, you got to what? you got to pay attention. So what kind of followers does Jesus want? Ones that are what? Engaged, paying attention, listening, right? Shall I do it again? Until I am measured, I am not known, yet how you miss me when I have flown. You got it? Time. I did that one again because it's right there. Time. Right? Now, when we say that, until you have missed me, I, until I am measured, I am not known. Time. How you miss me when I have flown. Time flies. How are we doing? Does that fit? Actually, once you hear the answer, it's kind of what? Kind of simple. So simple that little kids can get it, can't they? Right? So ironically, with the truth and with the kingdom, it's pretty what? It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It's so simple that Jesus says, hey, let the kids come, because they're the ones who'll probably what? They'll probably understand it the most. Ironically, with riddles, I find that my kids often get them before I do. <laughs> Why? They're thinking creatively and cleverly and outside of the box. That's just that they naturally do. Why did Jesus say the kingdom of God is for such as these? Right? One of my kids, who I will not mention, uh, but one of them actually got the egg one, and they just got it. I was like, oh my gosh, who are you guys? Right? Well, they're eight-year-olds. They, they just think creatively. Want another one? Give us another. <laughs> right. Who makes it has no need of it, who buys it has no use for it, who uses it has no knowledge of it. Oh, no, don't say it. Okay. <laughs> All right. But, uh, real quick, who knew that ahead of time? Now, is it nice to have prior knowledge. That works. What was the answer? It's a coffin. It's a coffin, right? Who makes it has no need of it, who buys it has no use for it, who uses it has no knowledge of it. Coffin. Now, it totally makes sense once you hear the answer, right? It's so interesting thing. Why riddles? Well, when you talk in a story or a riddle, it teaches you something about it, like that wind one. It's kind of cool. Go team? What was that? Oh, I have a whole bunch. We'll keep going. Let's do, let's do one more from Tolkien, actually. All right? So if you want to follow along, feel free to follow along. We are on page 83. Page 83. We're going to do something right now. I have uh, been blessed with the Tolkien audio. Check this out. Uh, there's all these different audio pieces from Tolkien, and um, it's like about a four-hour video, or four-hour audio stuff. Uh, Tolkien was having, so the stories go, right? Tolkien was having major writer block, writer's block, and so he's going to give up on Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and like, no! So one of his friends is like, no, 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 what do we got to do? And so they took him on a holiday, right? They went up north to the Lake District, to a little cabin, 
And the friend said to Tolkien, why don't you go grab all your favorite stuff and come over to the parlor, and you can just read it out loud and get the gears spinning again. Right? And again, so the story goes, the friend grabbed a tape recorder, said, here, I'll record you, and you can kind of hear your, hear your own voice reading the stuff. Which, by the way, what does Tolkien grab? He grabs all of the poetry in his books. Which, what do most people skip over? <laughs> like, what does he love? He loves the poetry stuff, right? Guess what else he grabs? Out of all the chapters he could grab, he grabs what? Riddles in the Dark. He is known to have said that this was his favorite chapter that he wrote. Can you kind of see why? Look at the depth of it, right? And uh, how powerful and profound it is. So we're going to listen to a little bit. This is actually Tolkien's voice. He does the Gollum voice and stuff. So here's Tolkien. It's a really great opportunity to hear Tolkien himself read his own story. Yeah? I wish we had more. At least we have this. So, here we go. Deep down here over the dark water lived old Gollum. Mm. I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness, except for two big, round, pale eyes. Kind of fun. <laughs> so, we're going to get you up here to this next riddle. His head. So here he goes. He that hinges key or lid. There's that one. That golden treasure inside his head, he asked, to gain time, until he could think of a really hard work. This he thought of dreadfully in his chestnut. So page though he had 83. Words, but he proved a nasty poser for Gollum. He hissed to himself, and still he did not answer. He whispered <laughs> and spluttered. <laughs> whispered is. Out of some while, Bilbo became impatient. Well, what is it, he said. The answer's not a kettle boiling over, as you seem to think from the noise you're making. Give us a chance. Let it give us a chance, my precious. <laughs> well, said Bilbo, after giving him a long chance. What is it? But suddenly Gollum remembered thieving from nests long ago. And sitting under the river, teaching his grandmother, teaching his grandmother to suck eggs as it is. Eggs as it is. Then he asked. A life without breath, as cold as death, never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. He also, in his turn... Ooh, everybody, anybody know what that one is? Yeah, it's a good one. Alive without breath, as cold... Don't shout it out. Alive without breath, as cold as death, never thirsty, ever drinking, all in mail, never clinking. Again, it's all these paradoxes, right? Super cool one. Here's Bilbo. They don't have it in the movie. That's part of why I want to do this. Plus, it's also fun to hear Tolkien. Here's Bilbo stuck. He's going to get off the quest. He's going to get eaten. He's going to be done. Thought this was a dreadfully easy one because he was always thinking of the answer. By the way, what is Gollum like to eat? But he eat? could not remember anything better at the moment. He was so flustered by the egg question. All the same, it was a pose of a poor Bilbo who never had anything to do with the water if he had helped it. <laughs> I imagine you know the answer, of course, or can guess it as easy as winking, since you are sitting comfortably at home and have not the danger of being eaten to disturb your thinking. You go sat, once or twice, <laughs> but no answer came. After a while, Gollum began to hiss with pleasure to himself. Is it nice, my precious? Is it juicy? Hiss? It is corruptiously He's doing what? He began to peer and blue like out of the darkness. Half a moment, said the hobbit, shivering. I gave you a good long chance just now. You must make haste, 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 said Gollum, beginning to climb out of his boat onto the shore to get his bilbo. 
And when he put out his long, webby foot in the water, a fish jumped out in a fright and fell on Bilbo's toes. Oh, he said. It's cold. Damn it. And so he guessed. Fish, fish, he cried. It's a fish. So the answer is what? Now, come on, in a worldview class with a Christian author and a really cool story like this, he's going to get eaten by this creature, he's in the dark, he's lost in a cave, the quest is almost over, he's got a riddle that he can't answer, he doesn't know the answer to it, and the answer does what? Jumps out onto his foot? Are you kidding me? Like, it's so cool, right? And especially when you look at Silmarillion, and there's a creator God who's in charge, and there's this random chance. Kind of like the $5 bill story. Kind of fun to see that. And so the answer jumps on his foot. He says it. There you go. Whew. How are we doing? Can you guys see that? Well, it's kind of fun to see how that story can point to our story, being saved and rescued, even after a chapel like today, right? Go team? I have 10 more minutes. Let me even go further if that's all right. Let me just keep going with this. And it, Some of you are going to love this. And I just know from experience some of you are going to hate this. You're going to be like, come on, crazy English teacher. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> I am that crazy English teacher. But watch what we can do with this. First off, the answer is a bunch of paradoxes. Fish alive without breath. Does a fish breathe? No, but it's alive. Cold is death. Well, what's six feet under? What's the earth temperature six feet under? Anybody have an idea? You can maybe see it or Google it, but it's generally around 50 to 55 degrees. That's where you get below the frost, right? Um, and actually, the water in a cave is usually around 50 degrees. So as cold as death, fish, right? Never thirsty, ever drinking. Is a fish always drinking water, but is it ever thirsty? And all in mail, never clinking. So your fish scales are like plated mail for armor, but is it ever clink and clank? No, so kind of cool. We got the, do we see the fish riddle? Super cool riddle, go Tolkien, right? Now watch what we can do with this though. Some of you are aware that in stories there's symbols, right? Of course there are, there's symbols and metaphors and it's really fun, we've been doing that all along here. So I just did the whole sword as a symbol and am I allowed to do that? Totally allowed to call that a Christian symbol, sword of the spirit, word of God. If you're not aware of that, this is where your teacher was to make you more aware that when you look at the story you're going to look at for your final exam, don't miss the metaphors, don't miss the paradoxes, don't miss the symbols. One of the keys, though, is that there's public and private symbols, right? So, in a math class anywhere on the planet, the public symbol of this is what in math? The plus sign or the XY axis. And that's just these two lines represent that. Is that true? So, are those public symbols? For a hunter, crosshairs, on a map, north, south, east, west, is that just symbol, right? When I go to Ireland, there's a green cross. What does that mean? Huh? No, actually, although interesting, I wonder. Okay, so maybe. So that would be probably more of a public symbol. Private Christian symbol in Ireland would be what? If you put a circle around it especially, the cross is what? Salvation. Right, the cross? And so when you take those two lines, it can be a cross. Well, the cross means what? 
salvation. I say the word cross, and you're all like, oh, yeah, cross. So when Frodo and Sam get to the crossroads in their story, am I allowed to lean a little forward there? Oh, yeah, do you have to? No, but can you? For sure. Or how about this? Aragorn has a sword. He's the king with a sword. Sword of the Spirit is the word of God. But Aragorn's sword is what? Broken. And we need to reforge it. So we have to put together all the broken pieces of the sword and put them back in the king's hand. Does that work? Yeah? Again, you don't have to like this, but as a literature teacher, I'm like, go, go, go. You're definitely allowed to run there. That'd be like if this was a school uh, when we were studying Islam, and I talked about crescent moons in this story. Would I be allowed to do that? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? So there are private symbols. Fair enough. Look at this one. I think it's kind of fun. I was in Oxford. I wanted fish and chips. It actually happened, which was kind of fun. I wonder if it's still there. If anybody goes, let me know. But in the market, there was a sign on a store, a little shop, that had this with this, potato and fish. So I walked in and I got what? Fish and chips. It was kind of fun. I was like, that's an interesting wonder. I was wondering about something else. But at least I got my fish and chips, right? Or when my three-year-old draws that in her ocean, it's a what? It's a fish. Was that a symbol for fish? Yeah, symbol for fish. So what does that mean? In half the minivans in Wheaton, they like fish because they have that on the back of their minivan? Oh, we all love fish sticks in this car, right? What's going on with that symbol on the back of the car? It's a what? Yeah, the Christ symbol. It's an igthus. Is that a very real private symbol for Christianity? Yeah, it started as a very private symbol meant to, like, during persecution, you'd kind of draw half the fish in the ground and the dirt with your stick and staff and someone else would draw the other and like, yeah, we're good, Christian. Okay, good, right? Because we are fishers of men. So it's basically saying, I'm a Christian. That's what that symbol means. You know how the Darwin fish and all that, you have fun with the symbol, right? Wait a second, time out. The creature who's prowling around in the dark, what's his favorite thing to eat? Fish. And the answer to a riddle to save Bilbo's life is a what? And his favorite thing could be squirrels or birds or grubs, but it's what? How are we doing? Are we seeing it? It's kind of fun with really great stories to run down there. I would even go so far as this. Now, some of you are like, ah, oh, too far to make this. Well, whatever. <laughs> Here we go. What kind of fish does Gollum like to eat? The ones that are alive without breath? You know any Christians? who are alive, but without the pneuma, without the breath, without the spirit? I do. Or how about Christians who are as cold as death? Yeah, I've gotten their handshakes. I've seen their faces. Know any of them? Or what about Christians who are never thirsty, but they're always drinking? They're always drinking in Bible verses and more information and more and more about Christianity, but they never are thirsty. They're never hungering and thirsting for what? Righteousness? Ever met them? Or even better, how about the Christians who are wearing the mail? They've got the armor on, but it's not clinking because they're not doing what? They're not in battle. Is it there? So look at this. The creature who's prowling around in the dark looking to take Christians off their quest likes to eat what kind of them? <laughs> Those? Well, and in The Hobbit, I see 
that he wants to eat Bilbo. He wants to eat that. And yeah, you know, I love it in the in the movies. Gollum likes fish raw and wriggling. Right? Like, yeah. Thoughts, questions, comments? Kind of cool? Go Tolkien? More so, go story. You see it? Like, look at the power of story. And what story can do to help us understand more of our journey. Do we see it a little bit? So for your final exam, I'm going to make a little handout for you. You need 12. 12 scenes. 12 moments in the movie or the journey or the musical or the novel that you pick that you can do that with. See how you can do that with that? And, you, I mean, obviously I'm more trained in it on some level. Maybe not. Some of you will probably have a knack for this, which is great. But the more you do it, what? The better you get at it. And uh, you can start learning to see your life as story. And as you look at stories, learning how to interpret them better using paradox and metaphor and symbols. But even as you go right now, what are some private Christian symbols that you can start looking for in your story? Ready, set, go. Rainbow, good. All right, go. Bread and wine, good. Okay, what else? Rain, good. Let's keep going. Dove. Fire. Straight and narrow. Gate. Lion. Lamb. Armor of God. Like, are there plenty of private Christian symbols that you can be looking for? Woot, woot. Nice job today, you guys. Have a great day. Thank you, Tolkien. No legs lay on one leg. Two legs sat near on three legs. Four legs got stuck. It's not really the right time. As he was talking of fish, no legs are not so very difficult. And after that, the rest was easy. Fish on a little table, man at the table sitting on a stool, the cat has the bow. That, of course, is the answer in Bob Then he thought the time had come to ask something hard and hard. Yeah. Well, also in Portland, it's like medical Thank you, Tolkien. had a student last class who mentioned that it's interesting that Gollum's not even the enemy and so how we can even as Christians do that to each other let alone what the ringwraiths or Sauron or the orcs and trolls want to do to us but here it's actually Gollum and so he's kind of this per se Christian who's lost his way who ends up devouring another hobbit. He wants to devour another hobbit. And notice how Frodo is so gracious and kind to him on the journey. Um, so uh, I just think it's a, a great way to wrap up this class and to wrap up this audio um, with the power and profundity of myth and metaphor and paradox and how we really can take applicability that Tolkien talks about pull it right into our lives, right off the screen, right off the book, right into our lives. Blessings, peace. 
One of the other things that I realized that I wanted to add in here at the end is that in so many respects, this lesson for the final exam um, is a great way to just show the imagery of that $5 bill story that I talked about earlier in the semester. And so Bilbo is saved from getting eaten and being taken off his quest in a very dark moment by this fish that lands on his foot at just the right time. And according to Silmarillion, there is a creator god who's in control and is able to make that happen to rescue and save Bilbo so he can keep going on his quest. And he may not even be aware of that whole grand worldview piece of it, but it does happen at just the right time when he needs it. And that totally, if we were doing this for the final exam, I would say, look at this moment in the Hobbit story. And for me, that teaches me more about the $5 bill story when I am struggling. It's really dark. I was about to take my own life. And I'm, I'm wrestling with materialism. And then the $5 bill just happens to roll up right by my foot, ironically, just at just the right time to help me continue on my quest, continue on my journey. In that moment, it's this perfect connection. So just a few more additions here to this audio. And that's for those who are listening, but also as I try to put this stuff into written form, it's a key piece to this lesson.